0: Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vicini. We're presented by CLNS Media. Today on the show, I'm so glad to have Tony Jones back. Tony Jones, it's been a while since you've been on the podcast, but uh, it, stuff just keeps coming up. I've been traveling, going to these college games. You've been on a crazy road trip because Utah has uh, started with 16 of their first 24 games on the road. So, how are you doing? How was your Thanksgiving, man? Let's not even lie. You shunned me. Shunned you. You were you were out for a while. Microphone microphone situation cut you out
1: from Game Theory.
0: (laughs) No, it's just been crazy, man. How are you
1: doing? I'm good, man. Thank thanks for having me as always. I am. It is my pleasure and my honor to be a recurring teammate slash coworker slash friend and guest of of Game Theory.
0: Go go read Tony's work on the Athletic. Like he said, we're teammates, and he does a great job over there. We're also going to be sponsored by Hims on this episode we'll get to a little advertisement later uh and you know, here are the things we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the team that Tony covers, uh, on a night in, night out basis, Utah Jazz. They're eight and 11 right now. As we said, they start with 16 of their first 24 on the road. So maybe we should have seen a bit of a slow start for them coming, but it's been a slower start than what I think most people envision coming into the year again. And then we're also going to talk about the Lakers. We're going to talk about some of the younger guys that we've seen in the NBA that have impressed. And then we're also going to talk about college guys because Tony loves to talk college guys as much as I do. So. With all that being said, I you know I just want to ask you how how has life been? Like I said, you've been on the road here for a while. How, how is how are things treating you? How was Thanksgiving? How is everything going? Well, you
1: know it's been it's been good. Uh, Thanksgiving was great. So I spent it. I was very blessed to spend it uh, at home with the family. And you know, like you said, you know we've all been in and out. Um, you know, kind of. In Salt Lake and then kind of out on the road and then back in Salt Lake and out on the road. So um, that part has been, you know, that part has been, it's it's always fun to go on the road. But, you know, I got to, like, pack up my Xbox and <laughs> unpack it and pack it and unpack it and all that stuff. So um, that that part is good. Um, you know, it's, you know, I think that you hit the nail on the head. I mean, when we looked at the Jazz's schedule and, and, uh, in August, we were just like, you know, wow, November, December, you know, that's going to be brutal. So, you know, they're about almost halfway through, you know, two months of brutality, and then uh, they'll have a, a four-game trip at the, at the turn of the year. Uh, and then after that, I mean, it's, it's you know, they, they've got a, a mountain of home games that they're going to have to make up. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if the Jazz, uh, how the Jazz navigate uh, from now through the first of the year. I think that if uh they're in that five hundred mark give it give it give or take a few games. I think they'll be in a good position,
0: so yeah, they're fourteenth in the west right now, uh but even with that being said, they're like two games out of the playoffs, so it's yeah. really not that big of a deal that they're that far down. They're mm-hmm. not actually losing a whole lot of ground here with this late or with this crazy start to the season, but what I'm a little bit more worried about is just the way that they're playing. Uh, they're just not playing well like if they were playing well and losing tight games on the road right that'd be one thing like it'd be understandable that this was happening um but, you know, you're sitting here in a situation where they're 26th in offensive rating. Um, this was certainly supposed to be a season where we all thought their offense would uh, pick up a little bit. They're 14th in defensive rating, which is a shocker for which is kind bad. Of a lot of reasons, given what this team has done in its recent past. Uh, they're expected to win losses right in line with what it should be. This is not a situation where they're... Uh, you know, blowing teams out and then losing tight games, and, you know, their net rating is positive, and, you know, you, you assume that it's coming. Like, they've played at an 8 and 11 level so far. And I guess I'll start with you just because you see them night in and night out. Um, I'll, I'll kind of give you my take just watching from afar. I've probably watched maybe eight jazz games this year out of 20 like something in that range like i'm not going to sit here and say i'm watching as many jazz games as like jazz fans but i've watched a decent amount um where are you where are you at with this jazz team right now what what is causing these issues well they're not playing well
1: i mean you know that's the thing and and you know you can't hide the elephant in the room and that's a gigantic elephant in the room and it's it's obvious they're just not playing well they're not executing uh, offensively, they're not executing defensively. I think that the defense is a bigger issue than the offense. I think the offensive rating is a little skewed, uh, especially they had a 68-point game um, against Denver, uh, against Dallas. Dallas. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, you know, they had an 83-point game against the Lakers where they didn't really play really well. But there have been games um, where I think that offensively they've um, they've they've been really good, and I think that. Um I think that offensively I think they've done enough offensively overall, uh despite, you know, being twenty sixth in in rating, twenty-seventh in points per game, um, that if that defense was is what was where it should be, uh, the eight and eleven record would would be at least flipped. They'd be at least eleven and eight mm-hmm. and maybe twelve or seven. Uh, maybe even, you know, maybe even 12 and seven. So I think that, you know, you know, just in my opinion, um, I think that the the defense is a, is a far bigger issue uh, than what's going on with the Jazz offensively. Um, you know, the, the defense has been a mess. Um, the guards haven't, you know, stayed in front of opposing guards. Uh, Rudy Gobert hasn't uh, protected the rim uh, at his usual rate. You know, teams are Teams are shooting very, very well against the Jazz uh, where you're not, you don't anticipate teams shooting well against them. And, you know, there have been some games where the Jazz have just flat out been been boat raced because of how they defend it. And, and that's where that's where you see some of that stuff and you're just like, wow, that those are alarms. Um, and, and, you know, you look and you say, okay, well, it's freedom of movement affecting the Jazz. You know, maybe... I, you can say that in the first you know a couple of weeks but you know at the same time you know in the last uh, three or four weeks I mean I, I just think that that guys just aren't staying in front um and 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 I think you know the Jazz have to figure figure that out and if they can get that you know defensive rating into the, you know the top five top six top three uh where you know where they're you know anticipating where they anticipate that stuff to be uh, then I think that they can turn uh, that stuff around but I think right now uh, it it begins with the defense and that's what needs to be fixed most of all
0: so here are the two numbers that kind of are both good and bad for Utah for me right now on defense Um, last year they were obviously ridiculous at protecting the rim Right. If you look in the half court, they were fifth in shots around the basket that were not post-ups in half court settings. And they were 10th in post-ups defending uh, in half court settings, according to Synergy. This year, they're at 25th in the league. They're giving up 60% at the basket in half court settings at the rim. And with a team with Rudy Gobert, that is just bananas. And they're 23rd in post-up defense as well, uh, allowing 51% uh, on those shots like A team with Rudy Gobert, you would expect them to, at the very least, be top 10 and realistically probably top five, especially when you consider that they play most of their minutes with one of him or Derek Favors on the floor to protect the rim. So and Derek Favors, as you and I have talked about many times, we think he's a pretty drastically underrated uh, defensive player and certainly protector of the rim inside. So that number is frightening to me in a lot of ways. And I think it has a lot to do with how they're giving up perimeter uh, penetration. You mentioned that the guards are not necessarily staying in front in the way that you would expect. If you look at the way that uh, they've been defending so far in pick and roll settings, uh, they're 19th, so they're bottom half of the league in pick and roll uh, settings. They've been struggling to tag uh, roll men as well in those settings. They have really struggled with dribble handoff plays two uh from what I've seen they're actually 29th in the league in defending those whenever those lead to uh, shots or turnovers or you know possession finishing plays so I look at that and that stuff kind of scares me I think Donovan has taken like kind of a small step back defensively this year um, he, he just hasn't quite been as active as what I thought he was last year um it's just like kind of a kind of a weird spot right now like I think Dante Exum is a really good defender um I think Royce O'Neal's a really good defender but I I don't know if Ricky has been a great defender so far it's just like kind of a weird spot for them
1: well I think Dante's been good I think Royce has been good Uh, I think the Joe Ingles has been good Joe Uh, Joe
0: has done what you would expect of him defensively he's a smart defender he's not like a not a possession altering defender though
1: and 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 I think you know but you know you can't it's it's it, it just runs into a conundrum with 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 Quinn Snyder right now his best offensive players are not his best defensive players Mm -hmm. and his best defensive players are not his best offensive players yeah and he's not getting two way play uh, from many guys on the team and that's forcing some really difficult decisions you know if 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 Royce O'Neal were going out there and knocking down 40% um, from three point range um, it would be a lot easier for to to keep him on the floor. If Dante Axum were shooting forty percent from three point range, it'd be he might be starting by now. Um, yep. You know, if so, it, it 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 forces Quinn to to make some 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 really difficult choices. And there are some nights where he's kind of damned if he does, damned if he doesn't, um, because of it. So. You know, what the Jazz need, they need guys to to start performing um, on on both ends of the floor. And it's going to be interesting to see um, what they do against Sacramento because, uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell is not going to play. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they go offense uh, and put Alec Burks in the lineup or if they go defense and start Royce um, um, O'Neal in place of Donovan Mitchell. So, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but the the way here's the thing. You you hit the nail on the head on so many of these things. Dribble handoffs, um, allowing guys to get into the mid range, allowing guards to touch the paint, um, not being able to defend at the rim when guards go get all the way to the basket. I've never seen so many guards get all the way to the basket with so much success against uh, against Gobert. Um, I've never seen so many bigs uh namely willie cauley stein who the jazz are going to play tonight um <laughs> post go bear up with so much success in isolation um you know so there's so many things that you can say and that's why i've just been on twitter and people are like well what's wrong with the defense everything is wrong with the defense yeah. every single thing like every single part the jazz aren't the jazz aren't defending on a the perimeter they're not defending in the post they're not keeping teams out of transition they're not defending without fouling so they're not keeping teams off the foul line they're not defending the three-point line they're not doing anything well defensively Uh, and by the
0: way they're not doing anything well defensively and like for the season they're still like about an average defensive team right i think that that tells you what the ceiling is with this team defensively
1: right exactly so i mean you know, when when this team is right, you know I think it's the best defensive team in the league, or a certain, or one of the the two best. Uh, you know, with with the Warriors being the other. Um, you know, now I mean I think that Toronto's risen to the point where you know they're they're definitely in that conversation. Uh, you know, I thought Boston should be in that conversation. Um, you know, but I, I, the Jazz should always. With the personnel they have, with the coaching they have, with the schemes they have, um, they should always be in that top three, four, five uh, at the very least. And right now they're 14, and and that's a problem, um, you know, because people, cause then you say, well, you know what, the Jazz can't score, and they can't do this, and they can't do that offensively, you know. And, and I've been telling people, I mean, they've scored enough, they've done enough offensively that the defense— um, we're where it should be to, that they be fine right now, <laughs> yeah. you know, and 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 I, and it's just kind of startling to me uh, just how um, how how much uh, of a learning curve the defenses has, has had to undergo uh, this season.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that that's right. But let's talk about the offense now. Uh, let's go to the 26th ranked offense in the league. It's kind of strange to me, just in general, that last season, the lineup that had almost as much success as any lineup in the NBA, um, they played almost 500 minutes and had a plus 12.4 net rating, was Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Ricky Rubio, Derek Favors, and Rudy Gobert. This year, that same lineup is a negative 1.7 net rating, and they've lost most of it coming on the offensive end with a 97 net rating when those five play together. Why do you think that that is? Is part of it just Donovan is missing shots? I mean, he's shooting, I think, like under 30% from three right now, and that'll revert up at some point because he's a better shooter than this at this stage of his career. Like, where are we at on what ails the starting offense with the Utah Jazz? Right. Well,
1: it's it's right now. It's it's got to be Ricky Rubio. Mm-hmm. Um, I think and, that's right too. And and and, and you know, I, I'm I'm almost to the point where I'm going to say this, and this is going to sound crazy, but I think the jazz goes Ricky Rubio goes. Mm-hmm. They don't go as 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 Rudy Gobert goes, or as Donovan Mitchell goes to the point of where they go with Ricky Rubio goes. Now let me explain that. Now, obviously, Ricky Rubio is not the best player on the team, Um, but he is the barometer. He is the guy that when this guy plays well, the Jazz are going to win 80% of the time. And when he does not play well, they're probably going to lose almost 100% of the time. And that's how important he is to what they are doing right now. Um, You know, when, when he can shoot the ball well, and he can make teams um, make teams respect his jump shot to the point where they have to space out on him, which opens up the Joe Ingles Rudy Gobert pick and roll, which opens up Donovan Mitchell's driving lanes, which opens up you know which opens up you know uh, pacing space for Jay Crowder, which opens up you know just kind of everything when he's running the fast break well, when he's you know when he's pushing the ball after made baskets. And getting him into sets, and getting the jazz in the sets um, with plenty of time on the shot clock. You know the jazz are are difficult to beat, but when he's playing like he's playing right now, they're really easy to beat. And you know, the and, and Ricky's probably had about two or three really good Ricky Rubio games this season, and the the rest of the season has been been a struggle, um, and it's been like that on both ends of the floor it's been like that offensively i uh, you know he's shooting 32 percent from three where it's kind of where that number's probably needs to be up by 36 37 percent um he's not finishing at the rim um you know he's that's something he,
0: he's never done though
1: and that's something he's never done um you know but but you know the jazz know about that but it's the other stuff that he has to do yeah. that he hasn't done like he's got to stay in front of the opposing point guard he hasn't done that He's got to keep his turnovers down. He hasn't done that. That that's uh, a big
0: thing I wanted to kind of mention with the offense. Their turnover number is crazy right now. Like yeah, they're in the really bottom bad. 5 teams in the in NBA. turnover percentage, right? In turnover percentage. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Like th- that's not what you expect. Isn't their
1: turnover percentage around 17 right now?
0: Yeah. It is. And that's that's... not what you expect out of Utah. I mean, I guess that they were, they had, they had a 15.7 last year, but like when I think of the jazz, I think of like a well drilled offense, a team that tends to make like the right decision outside of the occasional like shitty Donovan Mitchell contested jump shot um, that Donovan is capable of making, but like it just kind of misses or makes sometimes Um, still probably like a negative efficiency shot. Um, it's just very strange to correlate this smart high IQ Utah jazz team with as many turnovers as they commit.
1: Well, I will say this. There are a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity within a jazz offense from possession to possession to commit a turnover because they, I mean, you know, I got to watch every team, but I mean, they go through so many actions uh, within a 24 second possession Um that you know, sometimes it's, it's it's easy for them to turn the basketball over. That being said, you know, having a 17 turnover percentage, I mean, you're going to be an eight and eleven team. I mean, there's so many numbers that you can throw out that that make uh, that tell you why the Jazz are where, where they are right now. Um, you know, so I mean, and and that's one of the things that starts with Rubio. I mean, they've got to stop turning the basketball over. They've got to they've got to get more shots up and they've got to start making the shots. And that's the other thing. They're not making the shots. Right now, I think they're uh, – are they last in the NBA in three-point percentage? 27th, I believe. They're 27th. Yeah, so,
0: 31%.
1: So, I mean, you know, they're, they're near the bottom. They're not shooting the ball well. Um, they're not making the shots. They do they do generate um, – you know, they generate a lot of wide-open shots, but a lot of those wide-open shots are conceded to Rubio and Don, Donovan Mitchell. Um you know, teams are teams are contesting Joe Ingles uh, a lot. They're contesting uh, the contesting Mitchell a lot. So, um, you know, and I said Donovan Mitchell that they're leaving open it's Don, I'm I meant to say Dante Exum. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it this this is the problem. They're turning the ball over way too much and they're not they're missing shots. way too many free throws <laughs> and they're not missing shots and they're not making shots and they're not defending i mean it is a a smorgasbord of of maladies that um are dooming that have that are dooming the jazz right now um
0: typically when you have such a like just across the board number of problems. That is what strikes me as a team ripe for like a shakeup move. Right. Um, in Utah's case, I don't know that I would do that. Like I, I, I just don't for some reason. I mean, I would probably wait until maybe I would say January 14th. That's when they start to get into like a little home stretch of games, maybe even January 23rd. Um, that's when they start to like finally catch up in terms of home games and road games being pretty close to equal. Like they even have 21 of their first 33 on the road. So like part of me is just like, we need to see where this team is later in the season before we panic and start to make a shakeup.
1: Right. Well, so you, you have that four game trip uh, at the turn of the year, which is Toronto, Cleveland, Detroit, and Milwaukee. Uh, And then after that trip, you have eight of nine at home. And that ninth on the road is, is um, Minnesota. Okay. So you're at January starting January 9th. They have eight of nine at home. That ninth is the Los Angeles Clippers. Then you go on the road for two at Minnesota at Portland. Then you have another four at home, which is like Atlanta, Houston, Phoenix, uh, and San Antonio, so you're basically yeah. you're basically playing thirteen and sixteen at home from from Jan, from from January ninth uh, to February 9th. So in, in of those sixteen, you have Orlando, you have Chicago, you have Detroit, you have Cleveland, uh, you have Minnesota, you have Atlanta, you have Phoenix, uh, Phoenix, and you have San Antonio. I mean, so you have eight eight games. Against teams that are currently not in the playoff picture um, of those thirteen at that are at home, so you know that's and you know the, it's 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 a prime time for it's it's a it's it's a it's a schedule designed uh, for the Jazz to be able to to make up some ground. Yeah, yeah. it is. So if you don't make up ground in that time, then guess what? <laughs> you might you might have a roster shakeup a little bit
0: yeah i think that i would go a little bit earlier than that so like they have this magic lakers bulls pistons stretch right um and then like even the cleveland game uh here on january 18th like january 14th january 18th if they're not figuring it out yet that would be i think my window to like look into a move And, and like i think i would start with ricky rubio being the move i think that there's probably a couple teams out there that would consider him. Um, Like I saw Matt Moore tweet that he thought that it would be funny if the Timberwolves and jazz just swapped point guards. Uh, And I do think there's some validity to that, but Jeff Teague's like not exactly a great defender. So I don't know how he would necessarily work with Quinn Snyder in this uh, defensive scheme. Uh, He's just not strong enough on ball typically. So, I don't really know what the move is for them, but they have enough pieces. They have enough roster flexibility. They have enough salary flexibility in terms of guys that are somewhere between like 7 million and 15 million that they could really go out and kind of make any move here that they wanted to. Um, the crazy thing would be to me, this is like kind of the prime Bradley Beal spot. Um, if they really wanted to like go crazy with it, and like do something like that uh this this is like they're kind of the exact team that i look at as someone who should get into the bradley beal sweepstakes who typically wouldn't be in like the superstar sweepstakes just because he has three years left on his deal or at least three playoff runs left on his deal um he fits well with donovan mitchell on the floor hopefully you would think uh he does play okay defense like he's not going to be like an above average defender but he's not going to kill you defensively and he would absolutely transform their biggest weakness which is the jump shooting
1: well so I, i think and and here's the thing i mean we're talking hypothetically right i mean i've i've talked to a jazz source um in the front office and this is what they said like look we didn't bring this uh group back to give up on it within 20 games
0: right this so, is all hypothetical if right. we're in 45 games down the road right and this still hasn't turned
1: right you know so i mean you know right now currently today i mean th- this front office is committed to this group right now that being said and this is just tony jones <laughs> speaking um if 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 the jazz were to want to make a run at Bradley Beal I think they could make a really credible run at Bradley Beal because they can offer uh, they can offer some Washington something that not a lot of teams can right now and that's a way out of of, that, of their financial hell yeah because the Jazz have a bunch of they have a bunch of expiring contracts um, that they can offer that you know and you can throw some picks in there so yeah so they gave Yamahimi 64 million dollars <laughs> um you know they've you know they gave john wall 200 million dollars um you know they've i mean otto porter i mean the list goes on and on i mean they've you know they're basically in in a financial bind as deep uh as any team in the league so you know i i you know a team like the jazz could offer significant cap relief uh in in, in a bradley Beal deal um You know, but that's just, you know, as I said, that's just me talking. Um, I I don't have any indication from uh, the Jazz front office that they're seriously, seriously trying to pursue something like that.
0: Yeah, like you could do really like Dante Axum is probably a better trade chip than what Washington will end up with um, in a lot of cases. Or like if if they wanted to go like Otto Porter. You could do something like Dante Exum and Ricky Rubio and like a first for Otto Porter. Like that seems useful to me. Um, Dante can be a guy that you can build around long-term. Dante could also be the centerpiece of a Bradley Beal deal that would make sense to me. So like the Jazz have options here and I think that they line up well with Washington.
1: Yeah, I I do too. Um, And like you said
0: too, uh, I'm sorry to cut across you, but like if they wanted to take on or if they were willing to take on yan Mahinmi, me like that would i would imagine I, I would be surprised if utah did that,
1: that that'd that be tough i don't i don't see the jazz doing something like that
0: yeah i would be surprised <laughs> if they did that but like that's probably their way to do it almost is like say hey we'll take that money which is well
1: crazy. here here's the thing right so the jazz want they want another perimeter start yeah and you know, that that's something that they've they've really wanted, and part of the reason that they bought this group back was to bring them all back on one year deal, so they could all clear the books next year for free agency, right? Um, but you, they have,
0: to me, it's not just free agency though. Like the reason that you clear the books is so that you can use some of these guys, at least if you're Utah, is that you have the flexibility to go get your guy via trade or maybe via free agency but like look man like utah is not exactly the prime free agency destination for a lot of these guys
1: right but they they have they have a real affinity for chris chris middleton Mm -hmm. um the jazz do now um now i'm I'm pretty sure milwaukee does as well i'm pretty sure the lakers do um i will say i will
0: be surprised if chris middleton leads milwaukee
1: yeah i mean i i you know but I mean, I, the the point is, they want to be, they want to have the financial flexibility to be players in free agency. Now, here's here's what I'm getting at. You know, what's the difference between Bradley Beal and, and Chris Middleton? I think Chris Middleton is probably a better player, um, but Bradley Beal is is six years is a younger,
0: something like real
1: that. dynamic score. I mean, he's like I think Bradley Beal. Is, I think the world of Bradley Beal. I think he's just. He's a dynamic scorer from all three levels. He can hit you mid-range. He can hit you um, three-point range. He can get to the bucket. And I think that, um, I th- you know, obviously along with Donovan Mitchell, but I think he's an isolation scorer uh, in the clutch. Can, uh, can
0: you believe that Bradley Beal is under two years younger than Chris Middleton?
1: Yeah, he's 25. I think you Chris Middleton was, was like
0: 29. That's my fault. That's my fault more than anything.
1: Yeah, well, Chris is what, 27?
0: Yeah, he's 27.
1: Yeah, he's, he's, he's still really young
0: yeah man that throws me off a little bit i agree with you though i think chris is a little bit better
1: well chris does i mean chris is such a playmaker and he's a great defender and you know you can in in in, in why so bradley bill fits with the jazz in terms of a b plus manner to me mm-hmm. uh chris middleton fits with the jazz in an a plus manner yeah because you can play him at the two to three or the four yeah yep uh you you can pretty much play Bradley Beal pretty much only at the two, but you can move Donovan Mitchell to the one, and you can make you know Joe Ingles your primary uh, half-court ball handler, yep. if you will. And Brad can do some of that too. And Brad can do some of that, and Donovan can do some of that. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in, it, in it, in it, you know, obviously, you know, you have Rudy Gobert in the back, in back defensively, even though that hasn't worked out well
0: yet. This year, um, we should feel but, pretty good about the fact that Rudy Gobert will be a good defender again.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I mean he's gonna come around at some point, right? Yeah. So, um, so you know the, the 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 you know the point is this: the Jazz they know they that if they make a move for one of these expensive guys, that they're done. This is their team for yeah. the next for the foreseeable future. So they they have like. And, 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 you know, in in terms of getting that next guy, they have one really big move in them to me. Right. So they have to use it really judiciously because once they move, make that really big move, that's their team. The rest of it is the rest of the the rest of it is building around that team. Yep. So this one of the reasons why I don't think that you're going to go see them go out and get Otto Porter because he's making max money
0: what's the opportunity cost too of giving up like your trade pieces because Utah doesn't like Utah's not loaded with guys that I think would be super attractive to other teams that also they are willing to get rid of as right. well. So it, it's they I think I agree with you. They have one move. They have like one big game breaker move. And right. that's why Beal makes sense to me because he's under contract for 3 years. Right. He that's why Beal
1: that's why Beal does make sense. Yeah. Just because of that because you will have him for two more years after this year. Yeah,
0: he matches up exactly with Rudy's deal, exactly with Joe's deal. Um, you have Donovan for the foreseeable future, so that's not a big deal. But like, he allows you to, and if you don't move Dante in that deal, although I find it hard to believe that you could get Bradley Beal without moving Dante, um, that like he lines up with Dante's deal as well. So like, that's just kind of the time frame. For me, that that's the piece where, like, I look at it and I'm like, OK, this is this is the guy that they should push their chips in for.
1: But, you know, the question is, does Washington want to come off of that?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. It seems like they're ripe for a breakup. Uh, uh It depends on if Ted Leonsis is willing to deal John Wall, I think more than anything, because um, I, I don't How do you deal John Wall? Well, you deal him for like nothing. You deal him for like 30 cents on the dollar of what he was in the past um, just to get off of the money. And then you build around Brad, which is what I would do. Like I would deal John Wall for whatever I could get for John Wall and then just build around Brad because I can't imagine those two sticking together long term uh, over the next like five years, maybe Brad has, has to be stuck there for three years and, Oh God, I would feel bad for Brad. But like, it's, it's just hard for me to see that continuing to work in a positive manner. Yeah. Uh, so, well. like, but it, like, if, it's why it comes down to me with Ted Leonsis and what Ted wants to do. Because if Ted decides, you know what? John wall is our, like, he's our guy. He's the guy that we have our marketing built around. He's the guy that, you know, was first here and he's our leader. And I want to keep that guy. Then I don't know how you keep Brad.
1: Well, I I think the thing with John Wall is you're paying him two hundred million dollars. So I I just think that you're just I think you're stuck with him.
0: And you're not trading um, him for the next year because of the trade kicker.
1: Well, you can try, but he's got that trade kicker, which is ridiculous. And you know, I think that the only team that can really there's one team out there that I think you know that makes sense, and that's probably the Lakers
0: for John Wall. Yeah. Oh, God, I hate that idea so much. And we'll, we'll transition ah. we'll transition into the Lakers here real quick. Oh, God, do I hate that idea so much? <laughs>
1: it's, it's the only thing that makes sense.
0: Miami makes sense, I think, because Miami, you could convince yourself that, like, okay, they star hunt, and they specifically get guys into shape um, with their conditioning yeah, so program.
1: Is Ted Leonce going to take back all of that dead weight that, that Miami has?
0: Maybe, because some of it might not be that dead. Like...
1: Oof. uh i mean okay I mean, like, bam
0: if, if you could get if you could get bam and you could get jo- kelly alenic well you're i don't think you're getting both bam and josh for john wall
1: then why are you doing that then why why would you even make that like Spe-
0: just specifically to get off the money because john wall has been like kind of sneaky bad this year <laughs> like you're doing it only to get off of the money i think and getting like one young piece in return like and because you think that Brad and John probably aren't going to want to coexist together for a long time. Oh. It's tough like it's a tough move, I think. Oh.
1: I I like if I'm Washington, I'm I'm just hanging up unless Josh Richardson is is a centerpiece of the deal.
0: Okay, l- let's say it's Josh, let's say it's Josh and Kelly and then if you do it this summer, you have to use you have to throw something else in. So like let's say it's like James Johnson. So if you're getting Josh Kelly and James Johnson for John Wall, you're building now around john around bradley beal josh richardson Otto porter and kind of pieces we'll just call them like pieces right and then you can decide if you want to keep auto or not to um my guess is that Otto porter is probably not on the washington wizards at some point within the next calendar year just because he's the guy that makes the most sense to me to move um they're just like everything lines up well to move him is my guess um but like i i don't I don't know, like, they're screwed no matter what they do, I guess, is my thing. Unless you just decide to get off of all of the money somehow.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. That's, that's a rock and a hard place.
0: So let's move to the Lakers. So, like, you, you mentioned the Lakers. The, the reason that I think the Lakers don't really make sense is because I think they'll want Brad Beal. And I think that they will decide we're only going to give up our best pieces for Beal and not John Wall.
1: Right, not here. Brad wants to go to the Lakers anyway.
0: Not a crazy thought, I don't think. Like, I, I would that would make a lot of sense to me. If he, the other team that I think makes a lot of sense, and I mentioned this on the last podcast, is the Clippers. Say the Clippers were willing to do something like Tobias Harris and like Jerome Robinson, or like let's say like Tobias Harris and like Shea Gilgis Alexander for Bradley Beal. In order, no, I think it's a bad idea. But no. hear me out.
1: Yeah. Here's why Shea's you, untouchable.
0: Here's why you do this though. Well, no, 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 It'd have to be Danilo Gallinari. You'd have to throw in, like, Gallinari and Jay Alexander. The reason that, that you could make an argument that that makes sense is that you could have Bradley Beal plus two max cap spots, and you could say, hey, we've got our top 25 player in place already for the next two years. Come join this guy, is a pitch to free agents.
1: I mean, you can have Jerome Robinson and Danilo Gallinari and a couple of our first-round picks— but you can't have Shea Gilder's Alexander. He's untouchable.
0: See, I think the Lakers top that offer though. In like the way that if you're the Clippers, the way that you can top the Lakers offer is by throwing in Shea, I think.
1: I think Shea is gonna be a monster.
0: So do I, but Bradley Beal's already a monster and you can sell other you can't really sell other free agents on Shea, I don't think.
1: What if you what if you get in Kawhi next year?
0: But that's what I'm saying. Like, isn't your sales pitch to Kawhi, hey, we're going to compete now? And isn't Brad a better piece to compete now than So Tobias
1: Harris and Well, no, it
0: has to be Gallinari.
1: It has to be Dick Gallo. It can't be Tobias.
0: To keep the two max cap spots, it has to be Gallo.
1: I'd I'd cry if I were Doc.
0: (laughs) But if you're Doc, you're getting Bradley Beal and you have two max cap spots. So, like, yeah, it sucks for this year. But then you can, like.
1: I'm giving up a point guard that can be an all-star.
0: Be getting a shooting guard that is an all star.
1: Yeah, I'd... but
0: like, what are do we, like I love Shea too. I think he's a great player. What are the odds he's as good as Bradley Beal? Like it, that that is still like an 80th percentile outcome for him, probably, even being I mean, as good he, as he is now.
1: I mean, let's say okay. So right now, so who's the best player in the draft right now? Is it so
0: probably Zion? Or are you talking no, about? No, I'm talking
1: draft? about in this draft, this rookie class that's in the league right now. It's
0: Luka. It's Luca or DeAndre, probably. It's probably Luca, just straight up.
1: Well, I, I think it's probably Luca, and I think second is 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 uh, Jaron Jackson.
0: You can make that. I'm totally fine with that. If you want
1: to, I think I mad. think Jaron is special.
0: I agree with you. Jaron's very very good, and it's uh, the light is coming on quick with Jaron. By the way, too.
1: Yeah, that dude is he's he's something else, and I'm talking about he's something else on both
0: ends. I mean like that's the, the, that's what we talked about last year on the podcast. Like he is to me, he was by far the best defensive prospect in the draft.
1: Well, we talked about Jaron. Yeah. Me and you talked about him, and I said he's he, and I said he's Kevin Garnett defensively.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Okay.
1: And I I remember saying that, and we we talked about that. Here's the surprise: he's been really good offensively.
0: Yeah, he has. I, I mean, really good. I did not expect this offensively this quickly. Not even. Not even a little bit in his last. Not even, not even close. His I three twenty-point games in his last nine games. Uh, he's averaging fifteen points in his last nine games. He's, <laughs> like,
1: he's so I knew that Memphis was going to be good because of Conley and Gasol, but he's turned them. Jaron has turned him into a monster because he's become a foundational piece.
0: Yeah, yeah, he has.
1: Okay, so we digress. I think so. that,
0: I think you are right, though, that most GMs would still probably take. Luca over both Jaron and
1: Oh uh, Luc Luca's a flat out monster. DeAndre. And we talked about that too.
0: And like deon by the way, DeAndre has been really good. Like we should mention that as well. DeAndre is averaging sixteen and a half points, ten point three rebounds, and two point eight assists, shooting sixty one percent from the field. Th- yeah. those numbers in ninety percent of seasons win you rookie of the year.
1: Yeah. It won't this year though.
0: No. No, it won't. Because Luca is just unbelievable. Um, but so out, outside of those
1: three is, 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 is has Shay been number four?
0: Hmm. That's a good question. I, I don't know. I haven't decided which one I would take of him or Trey young yet.
1: Um, I, I'm taking Shay because Shay can defend.
0: Yeah. But Trey's been really good on. Trey's all been this.
1: really good. Trey, Trey's now that's the one I've been wrong on. Cause I, I did not expect, uh, Trey to be nearly as good as he's been. Not nearly. And, I did say, I did think that he'd be um, a pro because, and not because of his shooting and scoring, but because of how good a passer that he is. Um, he's a next-level passer. Yeah. But, you know, I didn't expect him to be anywhere near as good as he's, as he's been.
0: I mean, I'll, I'll throw a name out there. Like, Colin Sexton's been really good since Ty Lue got fired.
1: Well, he's been really good since, like, all of his veterans was like, yo, he's trash.
0: Which is crazy. <laughs> like, Cavs fans gave up on him after four games the vets gave up on him after six games and like since then all he's done is averaged like 16 points on a 57 percent true shooting percentage
1: like, uh, i watched him last night against houston and he was just possession after the f- possession after possession after possession just isolating against james harden and just going to work yeah it was he's, hilarious
0: He can get separation with ease that was the thing that I talked about pre-draft with him he was the guy that I trusted most along with Trey Trey gets Trey gets really good separation but with Trey it's all separation backward typically um, with Colin he gets separation going forward toward the basket as well as going backward he's just not as good good enough shooter yet but just because he's so quick like I always believed in that kind of working out.
1: Yeah, uh, he's, he's, he's been, he's
0: still really bad defensively. Like We should mention that, but like, well, yeah,
1: he's really bad defensively,
0: but I think he'll figure it like he's been really good. Like he's been among the better rookies. He's probably not as good as Shea though, is what it comes yeah. down to. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Shea probably is number four. I think that's right. Miles Bridges has been really good too, but I think you're probably right. Well, Miles, ha, Miles, ha, Miles has been
1: kind of rope, guy ish. Yeah, for sure. You know, he's been good, but he's been like, you know, come in, catch and shoot, you know, 3 and D. Go out and you know, transition. Go, you know, get out and transition, get on Sports Center once a week. Yeah. <laughs> you I think, know but,
0: I think you're right that Shea right now has probably been the fourth best rookie.
1: I mean, and, and so if you look at that and you look at his upside, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I'd have a hard time giving him up. Even for Bradley Beale, I'd have a hard time giving him up.
0: Under normal circumstances, I would agree with you. The only thing that throws me is the free agency aspect of it all. The fact that you could convince, that you could use Brad to convince guys like Kawhi and all these other dudes to come.
1: Well, I mean, it's game over if the Lakers go ahead and get Durant, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I think that's true. I don't know if they're going to, but like who knows who knows like who the, that's the other thing too like is Kevin Durant more likely to choose the Clippers if they have Bradley Beal or if they have Shea Alexander
1: well I mean I thought with the Clippers I mean the, the the elephant in the room is Kawhi Leonard
0: right like I, I would assume Kawhi is the most likely guy with the Clippers but I would think that your first call is still probably Kevin right
1: yeah still probably Kevin so even though Kawhi has been terrific this year
0: so yeah like I don't If it comes down to Bradley Beal versus Shea Alexander, I would still make that move. I would still trade Shea for Bradley Beal, knowing that it could be a circumstance where by next year, Shea is averaging like 18 and 7.
1: I mean, can can we just take a few minutes to talk about how good De'Aaron Fox has been from year one to year two
0: I love De'Aaron I've talked a lot about De'Aaron on this podcast he is he is the best he's just been so good I think he's the most improved player in the NBA Uh,
1: yeah I I think so too
0: yeah like just from year one to year two it's been unbelievable he
1: he turned into a franchise point guard and he just single-handedly made Sacramento um, a playoff contender yeah and I think they are a playoff contender I watched him last night Against Golden State, they're le- it, it, it. Sacramento's legit. Like I, like I'm going into this game with the Jazz and the Kings, thinking that the Jazz have very little chance of winning this
0: game. <laughs> yeah, part of this is that I don't, I don't think they're gonna stick. Like we're starting to see Bielitsa come back to earth a little bit. Um, I think that they're probably gonna move him on Shumpert at some point, uh, who has been a very good player for them which is like given where he was at some point uh like even this offseason that's like kind of crazy um you do hear the rumblings about like chris haynes reporting that uh the kings like are not super happy with the way dave yeager is handling uh marvin bagley's minutes so like i think that that stuff is all eventually going to kind of catch up with them but they are they've gotten bogdan back and bogdan has been uh Maybe a little bit less efficient shooting twos than you would expect, but he's been pretty good uh, so far for them. He's been exactly what they were hoping, I think, off the bench. And uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. I think that I think they're going to fall off a little bit. I think it's like a thirty-five win team, not a forty-five win team.
1: Maybe okay. if they had drafted Luca. Okay. This,
0: oh, me... dude, no.
1: See, you know what? I, I'm sorry. I, they
0: could have
1: looked Sam. They could have had Luca and De'Aaron
0: and buddy healed buddy Hill's averaging 19 and points we haven't talked about how good buddy hill has become <clears throat> buddy's really good and that's something that like i love i love it more than anything i love buddy Buddy Heald buckets yeah like buddy his buddy is averaging 19 on a 59 true shooting percentage while shooting 45 from three and like i don't think he's a 45 three-point shooter if only because like there are like two of those in the league right now uh but he's definitely over a forty percent three point shooter. He's
1: he's really good.
0: He's unbelievable. It I saw him this summer playing uh out here at UCLA and I was like he looks a little bit different he looks a little bit uh better going toward the basket the handle stuff that he showed the last year of college i think it kind of took like a year and a half for him to figure out how to use that in the nba and you saw it late last season a little bit and then i saw it this summer really come around against guys like dante who can really defend and against guys um you know that go down to ucla i mean you're talking about just a ridiculous number of nba players who come out here to la but like you see it and it just he can get to the basket in so much of an easier way and like it was bizarre to me last year that they didn't play De'Aaron and buddy together more uh if you remember correctly they brought buddy off the heel buddy off the bench a bunch last season and started De'Aaron, and they played very few minutes together um this is why that struck me as weird because they have been awesome together
1: yeah they've been really good together and um you know um, Buddy's been really good, and De'Aaron's been really good. I actually think Bogey's been good. Um, watching been, him against the Jazz, he he's been fine. he, you know, he's he's really just kind of just did so many so many little things. Marvin Bagley's been good. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to crap on Mar Marvin Bagley because he's been good. Yeah, and and he gives them, you know, that's the thing. He gives them in a, him and, and Willie Cauley Stein, you know, the, both of those guys are elite athletes and. Yeah. They complement the skill of of the perimeter guys. Yep. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm I, I'm really impressed. I'm really impressed by what the Kings have talent wise. I'm impressed by Dave Yeager, the way he's handling them. Um, you know, it's it's um it's really really interesting.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with you. Um, let's. Let's talk about the Lakers real quick because we kind of we digressed in like forty five different directions. This is what we do, Sam. Really is it? Really is what we do. Um, Every single time we podcast, and it's funny. But before we do that, sixty six percent of men lose their hair by the age of thirty five. Tony, I'm sorry, but you were one of those people, weren't you? (laughs) Because I certainly am one of those people.
1: Uh, This is this is going in a bad direction.
0: Oh man. Uh, The thing is, though is that when you start to notice hair loss, it's too late. Uh, It's easier to keep the hair you got than to replace the hair you've lost. Uh, If that hairline's slowly starting to move backward... You don't want to feel like in a year from now that, you know, I should have done something. I should have, you know, back in November 2018, I should have finally made that move to go get Hymns. And ForHymns.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Uh It's a really, really great product. And the best part about it all is that... uh Thanks to real doctors and medical grade solutions, you can treat hair loss now. Uh, These are well-known generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions to help you keep the hair you have. Uh, These are real prescription solutions backed by science. These are not gas station counter supplements, whatever you find on the road. Uh, There's no waiting room, no awkward doctor visits. You save hours by going to 4hims.com. is so easy. just answer a few questions and the doctor will review and will prescribe for you. And then the products are shipped directly to your door. My listeners get a trial month of HIMS for just $5 today while supplies last See the website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. Go to 4 slash game theory. That's G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y-F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash game theory. 4 slash game theory. And you'll get that trial month of hymns for just $5. Let's talk about the Lakers. The Lakers have righted the ship uh, as basically everyone assumed they would at some point. Um, if I remember correctly, they have won something like, uh, I believe it's like seven of eight, like right in that range. Right. Yeah. And in those seven of eight wins, and I'm actually not sure what they did against Orlando this afternoon. Um, but do you
1: want a spoiler alert? Yes, I do. They lost.
0: Okay. Orlando has been sneaky. Good by the way. Um, and we should at some point, Maybe not this podcast, but another podcast talk about that. Um, We've seen some just ridiculous LeBron James performances. (laughs) Like what he did against Portland was one of, I don't know if like we can say vintage LeBron because vintage LeBron is.
1: Like it suggested it only comes out once every blue moon and he's still doing it
0: like and then he drops the 51 against Miami um he has the ridiculous game against Cleveland back in Cleveland um where he goes for like 32 14 and 7 uh i mean i don't even know what to do with this guy anymore he's just unbelievable and over the last uh you know really what i guess i guess since the tenth game. So let's say the Lakers eleventh game through the eighteenth game. He's averaged thirty one points, nine rebounds, six assists, one steal, one block. Um and he's shooting fifty four percent and forty nine percent from three during that time. He's just completely unbelievable. There's like nothing about him that is not an alien. Well he's still
1: best player in the league. Yeah. So
0: like no question in my mind.
1: Um you know and that's the that's the, the thing That's the thing that's so hilarious Because you know Every year Around the third week of the season We're like Well who's the best player in the league now And they, they thought all these names yeah. And then you know LeBron gets warmed up Because you know He never really asserts himself In the first month of a season yeah. And then you know He gets warmed up And then you know By December we're all like oh, Well LeBron's still the best player in the league yeah,
0: it's, it's just lights out Every time Never fails. Um, uh, the, the
1: thing that the thing that I've been the thing that that I think LeBron should get so much credit for is that he's and I've said this before he's improved his skill level a hundred percent in the last five years.
0: Yeah, improved yeah, he really his has. off
1: the dribble game, improved his jump shot, uh, improved his mid post game. Um, he he realized like it was like you know he he woke up one day and he said you know what I'm not gonna have this athleticism in first step forever um by the way like
0: he doesn't have it anymore like he has a great first step but like when he was 25 or like that first year in miami right totally different player you know right
1: right exactly you know you know and, and and the second thing is i mean even though he doesn't have that first step and he doesn't and he's and he doesn't jump as high well guess what i mean he jumps so high that like he doesn't jump as high and he's still one of the top five athletes in the league So now you have a guy, yes, he's 34 years old. Well, he'll be 34 on December 30th. But, you know, he's still, you know, rather than being the greatest basketball athlete of all time, he's still, you know, one of the NBA's top five athletes. But, oh, guess what? He's still one of, you know, the three best pure basketball players. Yeah. You know, so you put that in the 6'8 frame and you put it in a guy who knows how to take care of his body and a guy who says you know what guess what I'm not gonna play defense on most nights because I'm gonna save my energy and I'm gonna preserve myself um, you still have a guy who's capable of throwing up 28 eight and eight in his sleep <laughs> well that's just how it is and he's got some some really dynamic athletes that he's playing with um, and I'm I, you know I've I realized I think in the first three weeks I I say you know what uh, LeBron's going to get one in L.A., if not two. And, it, you know, it, it's probably not going to be this year, obviously. Um, but they're going to he he's so elite that they're still going to go get uh, an elite athlete. I mean, an elite player, uh, maybe two. And I think that, you know, that coupled with the uh, the Warriors probably losing Durant, uh, uh, LeBron's going to have a chance to to absolutely get at least one. during the the life of this contract
0: i think the big question is just who they get this summer Uh, we'll see what that ends up being but let's kind of talk about the young guys and i want to talk first though before we get into them JaVale has been really good really (laughs) good he's been really really good and that is such a credit to him like he's not just like meme good he's not like oh yeah this is like kind of cool javel's good like he's actually been really good he's a significant part of why their defense uh has been what it has been so far when he's been on the floor uh when he's in position to protect the rim it's really hard to finish through him he still does have that like occasional brain fart where he'll miss a rotation but he's really good like he is a huge part of what they're doing right now and then if you throw the three best young guys that they have, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and Kyle Kuzma on the floor with Javel, and LeBron, you're talking about a team that's a five point three net rating, um, good on offense, okay on defense, just just a solid, solid group. And then if you throw uh you throw Josh Hart in, for Brandon Ingram, which has been the Lakers' second most used lineup, you're talking about a team that has an 11 net rating. Uh, it's just a really, really, really uh, interesting kind of you know figuring out of how to create lineups around LeBron James this year and around JaVale McGee and uh, really around Tyson Chandler as well because Tyson has really helped them stem the tide defensively uh, from the early going when he was not on the team and they were playing guys like Jonathan Williams and like, super small Kyle Kuzma at the five, basically.
1: Well, you know, with JaVale, I mean, it's almost like, it's almost as if, you know, playing, you know, with the warriors and, and, and playing with, uh, and being in that kind of environment helps a guy, right?
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Almost like it helps a guy mature.
0: (laughs) Really? Um, Yeah, it absolutely has. Like, I think he gets a lot of shit for like, I think people think he's like dumb and stuff like that. And like, that's not the case at all. And I think it's pretty unfair. But like no, he's, he's
1: definitely not dumb.
0: Yeah, but like he, he, that's definitely the rep, though, don't you think? Like among fans, is like right. this guy does stupid shit on the floor all the time. Like no, I mean, like I've been in a, like not like a crazy amount of scrums with him, but like I've been in like scrums with him. I've never talked to him one on one, but every time that I've been in there and like heard him talk, I've been very impressed with what he says.
1: Right? No, he's he's a guy who you know I I I don't think is dumb at all. Um I think he's kind of crazy like a fox um, <laughs> And You know but the thing about it is I, I think that he's a guy who Has uh, really transformed oh, Him and Tyson Chandler Has really transformed his defense Yeah, And you know JaVale And Tyson Chandler have both helped LeBron A lot defensively Because LeBron doesn't have to You know protect the rim like he was Doing in the first three weeks before they got Tyson Chandler um, You know so Javale's been great at protecting the rim. You know, I was watching it today. I mean, guys ha- are having all sorts of problems finishing over him. Uh, same thing with Tyson Chandler. Um, and and it's helped because you know the Laker guards uh, have defended. You know, Lonzo Ball's defended, and you know, and uh, it's it'll be interesting to see you know what happens as the season goes on. But I mean, he's been you know a real running jump. Uh, threat a real threat around the rim defensively and he, and he's 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 been really good uh there's there's no question about it he's been he's been seriously he's seriously been good
0: yeah like it's not like fake good it's he's actually a useful basketball player for the los angeles lakers and uh you know they, they have had uh just looking through it now they have nine lineups <clears throat> that have played uh at least 20 minutes together and it is interesting to me that uh, three of those top four lineups include Lonzo Ball. Uh, Lon- Lonzo, to me, has been a very, very useful basketball player uh, in the way that he can just kind of keep the offense moving like he's just such a great one touch passer. Uh so great at outlet passing, so great at all the little stuff that everyone talks about Lonzo and he is a very very good team defender. I do think that he does get blown by a little bit more than what some people say defensively, like he quicker guards can kind of get past him, but he more than makes up for it. Like he is absolutely a plus defender because he is so good at just creating havoc on the floor and blowing up possessions in help defense and blowing up possessions, doubling post players and then recovering back out. And he, he's just awesome on that end of the floor. Uh, whenever he, his guy doesn't have the ball.
1: And uh, the thing about it is he's a, uh, he's, he's a phenomenal rebounder um, and he's an unselfish guy. Like you're not going to hear like this kid is never going to make waves. Um, you know, he's not going to complain about shots. He's going to go out there and he's going to do, uh, exactly you know what's needed to be done I, I really I've always liked Lonzo um, you know and I think that he's a guy that that you know if, if he can get that jump shot to the point
0: where he's 35 36 37 uh, percent
1: from three he's he's going to be he's going to be a really good player
0: Yeah, I'm with you there uh, Brandon Ingram has had kind of a funky year too I want to mention because on one hand like his numbers are basically in line with what they were last year which was i guess like something i don't want to say it was like a breakout year but it was a really really good year that uh portended a lot of positive stuff for him going forward uh most people thought coming into the year that he would be like a uh potential all star by the time he's like 23 24 years old maybe um numbers are right in line 16 points again five rebounds again uh he's Not assisting on as many possessions, but I think that's mostly because he doesn't have the ball in his hands as much. Uh shooting forty seven percent last season, forty six percent this season, thirty-nine percent from three last season, thirty-seven percent from three this season, still on limited attempts. Uh feel free throw rate, uh sixty eight percent last year, sixty seven point eight percent this year. It's all basically in line, but when I watch the Lakers, there's just like there's something weird about the way that he operates within the flow of their offense to me, because like teams still don't really respect him as a shooter. And it still does create like some small, like spacing oddities, I guess is the way to put it for them. Because it it just, he's a guy that is very good with the ball in his hands and he's a very good secondary option to have on the floor. But when you have Kuzma out there, he can go get you a bucket. And you have LeBron out there, you can go get you a bucket. And you can run like Alonzo, uh, JaVale, like pick and roll is a way to go get a bucket. And Josh Hart, uh, you can throw in there. And he can knock down a catch and shoot like spot three, which I think is why the Lakers have been so good replacing Brandon Ingram with Josh Hart in those lineups. So kind of where are you at on Brandon Ingram right now? Because like he's been good... But it's just like a weird fit, I think.
1: Well, he, I, I think that he's so talented that you gotta keep force feeding him because he can develop into a legit number two guy. Um, um, I think Cal's a number three guy. Um, you know, Alonzo's a guy who's probably gonna be starter good. Um, you know, so Brandon's a guy that that could be an all star. He, he's still only twenty one. Uh, he's legit six ten. Uh, he's so long. He can make shots. You know, he can do a lot of things. Um, and he can do a lot of things for you and, and on both ends of the floor. Um, you know, I would I don't know how much they stagger him and LeBron, um, but I would I would, you know, I like to see him on the floor a lot with the second unit, you know, so that it's his show. And, and I agree with you, there are some times where, you know, things look odd with him, but you know, at the same time, um, he's so talented that you have to roll he's so talented that you gotta roll with some of the bad uh for for so much of the good uh that that he does. Uh he's starting to get a little chippy streak as well. Um
0: I kinda like when, it to be honest.
1: I, I do too, because he for so long he's been, you know, a quiet, unassuming kid. Um, you know, so so that part I, I, I've actually I actually like Uh, he's starting to stand up for himself a little bit. I mean, obviously, he went he went way too far with the Houston thing. Um, But, you know, he's a guy that that I just think that he's he's so talented that that you got to ride him and you got to develop him and kind of see where it goes with him.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the idea of staggering him and LeBron a little bit more. Uh 88% of Brandon Ingram's minutes this year have come with LeBron on the floor.
1: Yeah, I I'd, I'd put that down to about 65 to 70. Like I know why why they want to do it because I mean, you want to kind of be on the floor with him and 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 kind of, you know, not um, you know, not have that burden on his shoulder, but I think he's good enough that you can run him with the second unit. You know, my whole thing with the Lakers is 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 i like this team as is and i like it a lot less when rajon rondo was healthy because rajon doesn't have the self-awareness to to just get out of the way he's if he's going to be on the floor he's got to run the show yeah and the the
0: craziest thing about this is too like lonzo's minutes are also like 89 percent of his minutes being with lebron yeah so like at least one of those two i would run more with the second unit uh like it it can be either I think. I would probably default with Brandon. I, I agree with you. But yeah, like I, I'm with you on that. Like I would I would I would attach Kuzma a little bit more to LeBron and that well, that's LeBron, right. Yeah, that's what they've done. Uh their most commonly played two man lineup is Kuzma and LeBron, but yeah, like I I think that with Brandon I, I would want him being it helps him develop I think to run the second unit too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, you want to force feed him and you want to get him to the point where he's a legit star in his own right. Like he's the guy on the roster. He's the guy that's on the roster that's on team control. That's not named LeBron James. That can be an all-star.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Um, let's talk about college guys. This is, this is what you love, Tony. You, you love to talk NBA draft as much as I do. And who has stood out to you? Like who is, I guess that we can, we can do it this way. like, among the guys, you have a certain preconception going in, as much as I do. Um, who has stood out for you in a positive manner that you have not expected to be as good as what he is? Ooh, okay. Well, bull bull. Oh, man, do I disagree with that?
1: <laughs> you disagree with that? Oh, like, I don't I, think... I think, th- I think he's been terrific.
0: Work. You'll, you'll see what I'm writing on Monday or Tuesday. Probably, probably Tuesday this week. Um, oh, oh, boy. Bulbul. bull Bobol is going to get a general manager fired. I have like no question in my mind. <laughs> okay, let's get let's go
1: beyond bull, bull then.
0: Well, like, um, no, no, no. Like, let's talk. Why do you like what you've seen from Bobol?
1: Well, because he's seven two and he can stretch the floor and he can block shots.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think that that is true. Um, the stuff that I like from him that I've seen before, like him being like you know down here in like Southern California playing for California Supreme and all that stuff. Like I've seen him, uh, or like real strong amount, basically. Um, I did not think he could handle like he can handle, like he can get out on the break and legit lead the break. Um, and like pull up after leading the break from like 18 feet. That stuff is crazy to me. He is He's like the most situational player in the draft, I think, because if you put him in a scheme where you want to switch a lot of actions, he can't guard anyone. No,
1: he can't guard anyone.
0: So like you basically are like Portland should have him very high on their board because they play soft pick and roll coverage, they allow their center to just shut down the paint. Um, Utah, I think, could have bowl pretty high as well. Um, they're not switching Rudy out onto guys. They're comfortable kind of making uh, making it work, switching around their five-man. But like, if you put him in a situation like Golden State, for instance. Or Houston. Or Houston. <laughs> like, he can't do that. Um, right. So... And, and like a lot of other stuff too. Like he he does a lot of lazy shit on the floor. He gets winded after like six minutes and then can't do anything. Like he's there. There are questions there for me still. Um, I, I think I've probably like I had him at 14 coming into the year. Um, I've probably slid him up a little bit, but like I, he's like top. He's like maybe top 10 for me. Like I'm not like, I'm not like all in on bowl yet. Yeah, so you're not
1: on the bowl, bowl chain.
0: No, not yet.
1: Okay. Um, Where are we on Roy Hashimura?
0: About where I had him coming into the year. I had him in the top 10 coming into the year. Um, Probably would have him right around there. I mean, like, like I've written the story on Rui, you know? Um, Like, I I love that kid. (laughs) I've talked to him 10 times in the last, like, 18 months. He's awesome. Uh, He's a great athlete. He is NBA size. I am very worried about the defense. Uh, That's just being real. Like, I am worried about the fact that, that he seems to struggle when he gets put on an island against guards and he seems to often be at his best as like kind of a small ball 5. Um you could say like Brandon Clark's kind of their small ball 5, but Clark defensively uh kind of helps out a little bit more than everyone else and you know runs out to the perimeter and recovers and does everything else. So like I'd say Rui is more of their defensive 5 and I don't really know if he can do that at the next level.
1: Okay. So my question with this, are you scared? Are you scared to take J- John Morant in the, in the, in the lottery?
0: Oh, I've only watched one of their games so far. Um, I am scared to take anyone that skinny in the lottery. Yeah. He,
1: he does. He does need to, he he does need to, but I think the kid can go. For, he can. Huh? He can definitely go. I think he can go. Like, I think he can play. I think he's a really good player.
0: Yeah, like he had, I think he had a triple-double last night. He had 29, 13, and 12. Um, He's really skinny, though. He's very, very skinny. Uh, He fights in battles, though, man. Like, he plays super hard. Um, He wants to defend tax the glass at like such a high level uh he made six threes last night like if he's gonna make i'll I'll put it this way if he's gonna make threes at like a 38 percent clip i'm less worried about taking him in the lottery
1: okay okay i I will
0: be i had him as like a late first round guy coming into the year i'll probably slide him up to like top 20 or so
1: i'm scared of nazaree
0: terrified terrified i'm terrified of Reed. i think he's a backup center though in the NBA.
1: I, okay. Whatever. I mean, my question is that I, I was, I'm i just like he has a load of talent and a load of athletic ability. I don't think he can defend. Yeah. I don't think he's he's never going to be able to defend on the floor. He's never going to be able to protect the rim. I mean, I think you're right. I think he's a backup center.
0: What, what do you think of Rui? You, I didn't get your I didn't get your take on Rui.
1: <sighs> I'd feel a lot better than him if he can develop into a 35 percent three point shooter.
0: I agree with that. Yeah. I think. But I I will say this. I don't know if he can do that or not. That's hard.
1: I don't think he can do it now, but I do think that the fact that he's developed um, from 15, he's developed this game out to 15 to 18. The fact that he's done that in two years, that that that's encouraging to me.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, Who are some who else?
1: Because it it tells me that he works on his game.
0: Yeah, definitely a definitely a worker. Um, no yeah, no qualms and, there. And he's
1: and he's and he's a really, really great athlete. He he I mean, he was you know, obviously he's not the he's not purely the athlete that Zion Williamson is, but he's every you know he was every bit as physical as Zion when he went up against him.
0: Yeah, like he doesn't have that explosiveness, but he's fluid. Right. He's the thing that's most underrated about him is just how strong he is. He yeah. is so he is a, he is like their strongest guy on that team by far like i think he might have been their strongest player like last season um like he continues to just like put on good weight that doesn't really affect his quickness or explosiveness um so that 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 i like
1: i'm scared of every guy that's currently in a ucla uniform
0: uh yeah i agree
1: (laughs) (laughs) they're not very good i'm scared of all those guys every last one of them I, I was really on the i'm I, uh, oh, man
0: i i like chris wilkes you're gonna say chris wilkes right i like chris but i mean he's not well coached <laughs> yeah but like here's here's so I, i'm gonna go to bat for steve alford which is just begging for my mentions to die um he has to deal with Jalen hands uh jaylen hands is not very good um I I, like at least at this level, Uh, he's a good basketball player, like for most levels, but he is just the worst defender. Um, he, He go and watch how much he struggles to contain penetration. Go and watch, go and watch what Kobe white did to them. For instance, yeah. and go and watch what um uh Dyshawn what the fuck is the kid's name from um Deshaun Booker, I think is the kid's name from Long Beach. Uh go watch what he did to like Jalen Hands and their defense. It was just it's a joke. What he can he can't do anything defensively. Um he also doesn't really pass the ball all that well. Um, likes to dominate the ball. Like th- the most impactful injury in the Pac twelve this year, um, really may. I wouldn't say, like, most impactful injury in the country because, like, fucking Darius Garland's hurting right now. Right. But, like, Tiger Campbell going down, like, really yeah, hurt that, UCLA. That,
1: that screwed them.
0: Yeah, because he's really a, a very underrated player, and not having him makes their life a lot tougher.
1: Well, he's the only guy on that roster that can get guys in the right spot, get them in a set, and get them to run the set.
0: Yeah, right. And
1: and And, and Tiger... You know, obviously he played for Lalamir and and he's not afraid to look at Moses Brown and and Chris Wilkes and be like, No, we're gonna do this.
0: That and he can throw an entry pass to Moses Brown too when Moses gets a <laughs>
1: chance. Good Lord, can no cause nobody else can.
0: Yeah. And like Moses terrifies me too. I mean Well, uh, Moses
1: terrifies me. Yeah.
0: Um I I don't know if he'll be one and done or not. Um I hope not. Yeah, I, I hope that he is not because he needs to put on good weight. Um yeah, I don't I don't know what to do with UCLA. Uh they're messy right now. Um trying to think who else who else has been impressive. Eric Paschal has struggled a little bit more than what I thought he would this year. Uh he came off a great summer. Like I had him like right outside of the first round, but like I think that I hoped to move him up and haven't, because I just he has not been efficient enough offensively to make it worthwhile um oh oh i know who i want to talk about Nikhil alexander walker uh he has been awesome so far this year he has been absolutely awesome um i think he's been good i like him he was terrific against purdue and he was really good against Northeast. the thing the thing i like about Nikhil is that he's
1: playing for buzz buzz williams yeah and and i think he's i think buzz is a terrific terrific coach And, and I think buzz gets people better. And, um, and I, the thing about Nikhil, I think he's gotten better over the summer. Like, I think he's legit improved.
0: (laughs) Well, the big thing that he's improved is strength. Like skill wise, like we knew he could shoot. Skill
1: wise was always there. We knew he
0: could pass. Like we knew that he could do all that stuff. I think he's better defensively. He can take contact more now and that ability to take contact more his significantly helped the way that he plays yeah. on offense. Yeah, agree.
1: Um and then, you know, that's the other thing. I uh, Kelvin Johnson's impressed me.
0: Yeah, he's super tough.
1: Um DeAndre Hunter, I love that kid.
0: Yeah, he was my top returning uh college prospect. I I love that dude.
1: Uh he yeah um I don't like Shimori Pons.
0: Okay, why not? Let's that's interesting.
1: Um Shamori has shimori doesn't pass the ball
0: <laughs> i just don't think
1: that you know what i'm saying that's you know i mean I, I and for what he does i think he needs to be three inches taller it would help. you know what i mean
0: it'd certainly help
1: um where are you at with Tremont waters
0: i don't know like <laughs> i don't i don't really think he's a prospect like i you don't want to say he's, he's, a he's not a prospect but like He's certainly not like a top 40 prospect or anything okay. like high. Like I would take like Dylan Windler ahead of him at okay. Belmont, which like if I'm doing that, like I think Dylan's like a good second round prospect uh, who might go like top 40. So like, I don't like trade. He's too small. He doesn't really defend. Yeah. He can't finish inside. Um,
1: the- he, can give, he can shoot and he can get up from point A to point a to B.
0: Can he shoot?
1: <laughs> can not Can he? <laughs> Well, you're right. Well, you know, a lot of shots he ends up taking ends up being contested because he's five nine,
0: right? Like that's the problem though. So like he's, he's shooting 26% from three this year. Um, that yeah. like he can't, I don't, I don't know how he scores efficiently. And if you're that small, cause he's probably what five, nine without shoes. Yeah. You have to be able to score efficiently off the dribble and you have to be able to really, really distribute. And I like the fact that through the first three games, or like four games maybe, he was really, really good at distributing without turning the ball over. But the two best defenses he played in his last two games that are long and athletic and can cause him problems, Florida State and then Oklahoma State today, I watched that game because it lost me money, Um, he was really bad with turnovers. He turned it over six times in both games, and really, they struggled to get in and out of their set. Yeah. So... I don't know what about you where are you at with him? What's your Yeah.
1: I'm I'm about the same place as you are. I'm I'm trying i I'm, I'm I like Tremont. I like I like James Akinjo as well. Um, but
0: like okay, he is to me a little bit better than James Akinjo. Yeah. Right. And like Akinjo is good. Uh he's not really great yet. Like I think he's a way underrated prospect. I'll say that. Yeah. But, or like a way underrated recruit, but I don't know. Like, Tremont, Tremont's fine. Like, I don't mean to shit on Tremont Waters. Like, I think he's a really, really good college basketball player. But, um, he's just, like, he's just fine to me in terms of the next level.
1: So, what are you, what are we doing with, um, what are we doing with, uh, Zion Williamson?
0: Number one. <laughs> <laughs> like... Like I, I talked about this on the podcast with uh, Chris Stone last week, week maybe the yeah. first week, something like that. Um, yeah, I'd take him number one, I think. Um, I think he probably, I think there are still some things he'll need to like prove to certainly go number one, um, mainly passing the medical stuff. Uh, as long as he passes medicals, I think he will go number one. So until then, we'll see. 6'6",
1: six, six, he's like a, a, a Charles Barkley with 40-inch verticals
0: yeah yeah like you you watch him like he literally could dunk the ball if the rim was at the top of the square like it's it's unlike anything i've ever seen
1: yeah that's crazy
0: and what where are you at on reddish let's talk about him because like let's just talk about all three of the duke guys and we'll finish with the duke guys
1: i love Cam. i think he's super talented um I think he's um, a prototypical wing. Um, I think that he's been better defensively.
0: He has. That's a great point. I think.
1: Uh, yeah, I think he's been good defensively. Yeah. Um You know.
0: It, it was weird to me that they chose not to close with him. Yeah, I did.
1: I uh, I thought that was weird, but I mean, he's top five. I mean you, you I don't think you can pass up on that I you know I know some of the issues that he has with assertiveness um I don't think playing on this Duke team helps that especially playing with RJ Barrett um let's
0: let's transition into RJ <laughs> oh boy I'm with you on Cam like Cam I think is to me he's my number three prospect right now like he's he's a stud um yeah yeah like he's he's totally awesome uh RJ but see like I like
1: I. I'm not sure like like for me like him and kevin porter are tied at three
0: kevin porter so i saw kevin porter against vanderbilt um he's like top 10 for me uh if you you like go see him live and like you see like what like enfield has to like grab him like put him in position half the time and then like he doesn't understand like how to naturally space the floor yet um it's just like small stuff though you know yeah it's, it's stuff that'll be figured out i think but i don't know like i said on the last podcast that The line between like Nick Young and James Harden is thinner than you would think, right? Uh, It's like shot efficiency and being able to be like a bull going toward the basket. Uh, Kevin has the ability to go be a bull toward the basket, but uh, in like general feel is the other thing too. I'm not sure he's there on like the feel and
1: yeah, like,
0: like the honestly the shooting efficiency too. Like I'm not. 100% 100% sure how good of a shooter he is yet
1: yeah yeah well I mean I think I think that he's a shot creator
0: yeah he is no
1: and question. that's what I love about him
0: but what, what do you think of RJ and we'll finish on RJ because he's like outside of Zion I think he's the most interesting prospect now
1: is, is, it, is it possible for a kid that is so good as he is to need some self awareness issues <laughs> to need some self awareness
0: well, I mean, you watched the last four possessions of that uh, Duke Gonzaga game and he had no awareness in terms of, hey, I have two other top five picks and another first round pick in Trey Jones, in my opinion, <laughs> on the team. Maybe I should pass it off. Like, but how I mean, but part of me was like, part of me was like, yo, just like the nuts on this, dude. Like, this like this
1: guy, like really <laughs> Like this guy really has Zion Williamson on one side and Trey Jones at the top of the key and Cam Reddish on the other side. And he doesn't
0: give a shit about any of them. No, <laughs> he just went for it. He's like, no, I'm going to score. Uh, yeah. I mean, like I had an assistant text me. I wrote this in the thing I wrote on Duke, um, during their first game against Kentucky that like he was looking off guys, uh, at a rate you would not want to see. Um, Cause it was like, it was kind of hard for me to tell, like being there and so much was going on. And then I like went back and watched and I was like, Oh yeah, he's kind of selfish. Like he's, you know, maybe he will figure it out. Like this, this could work. And then the Gonzaga game happened. And even like he's missed 75 shots and Zion Williamson's taken 74. Like total. That's a problem. (laughs) Regardless of where we're at. Like that, that's a significant issue. Like he needs to figure out that. I mean, honestly, he needs to figure out he's not the best player on the team. You know what I mean? Like Zion's their best player, but he's still their
1: best scorer, and and I is he? I think I I, I I do I still think he's I, a I think he's their best scorer, and B I think that he's the guy um, who gives them the best chance in isolation. Yeah, which is where that was. Now the problem is why are you so running ISO? Dis- I don't disagree with the fact. Like I agree with the fact that he should have like that should have been okay. Boom! Like you got he's got to have the ball, but. What I don't agree with is, well, guess what? When they collapse on you and there's four guys on you, yeah. you got to pitch that thing out.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that, 100%. I have RJ, too. I think he's still one of the safest guys to take in this draft. Um, we know he's going to be good at some level in the NBA. Uh, he's a hard worker, but it's, that, that was bad luck. We'll say that. That was bad yeah. luck. Tony, tell the people you've got coming up this week.
1: Um, well, we're going to be on the road. And I got good stuff coming up on uh, Derek Favors and and how selfless he is. And I got uh, other game action uh, for you, and and it should be it should be fun.
0: This has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Android, wherever you get good podcasting content. We'll be back on Tuesday. We'll podcast with Dieter Kurt, and Bach. We'll talk about uh, probably some more Eastern Conference teams because we spent a lot of time on the West today, but. Until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye.